Subaru, I'm Austin Horton. He's Jeff Miller. Rolling along here, we're looking for your phone calls at 855-340-ZONE. 855-340-ZONE. Sean and Harley, they have a one in two chance at some movie passes. They do. So get in on the 855-340-ZONE. Share a question, comment, or story with us and ruin their days. Yeah, but before we get on for the rest of the show, I, I do want to throw a shout-out to a good friend of ours, Tom Barberry, who, recovering from a little spill, he took over the holidays and just hope he gets better. Uh, hope he's feeling better. A finer person and gentleman you won't find. Our former co-host here. Yep, yep. a mentor, a legend. Love him. Utah, by, gets, Utah by five. Utah by five, trust me. <laughs> trust me. I love that guy. Love him. Hope you, hope you get better uh, quickly there. Uh, 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 friend and... Uh, you know Tom is chomping at the bit to do anything. Do anything. For He's sure. an enthusiastic guy and deserves good health and I hope it comes back his way soon. Uh, all right, eight five five three four zero zone. If you want to be part of the show, uh, did you ever watch the the movie? Uh, uh, what is the name of the movie Bullet with uh, Steve McQueen? With Steve McQueen. That's the name yeah. of the movie, right? Yeah, Bullet. The original car, the '68 Ford Mustang GT. Which they did a special edition release of the Mustang last year, or or it's coming this year. I can't remember mm-hmm. where they made like three. Well, this is the real one. This is replicas. the one that actually drove in the movie. But this is the one that Steve McQueen drove in the movie. It just went out for auction and sold for three point four million dollars, the most money ever paid for a Ford Mustang at an auction. And the car originally was purchased for just three thousand five hundred dollars. So from thirty five hundred to three and a half million dollars. And the auctioneer at Meekum, to signify that started the bidding at thirty five hundred dollars. Did they? Yeah. <laughs> it jumped. I, to, I'll get in on that. Yeah. He jumped jumped to a million dollars instantly. Yeah, for sure. And then jumped to two million within a minute. Wow. Uh, it is a uh, the fiftieth anniversary of the car of the movie was in twenty eighteen. Uh, and so there's been this, uh, and that's when the new version of the bullet was released was two years ago. Wow. Yeah, it's funny. It says the un- the unusually low starting price for such a well-known car was requested by the car's owner, Sean mm-hmm. Kiernan, who told the auction room before the bidding started that both times the car had sold previously, it was purchased for $3,500. Wow. Uh, we, we've talked about Sean Kiernan that's before. Unrestored, too. It, yeah, it's, it's still in pretty bad shape. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it drives, it turns on, but it's not been re-detailed and all that. So, Sean Kiernan, I, I swear we've talked about Sean Kiernan and how he came across this car, but now I can't remember. So it says, after after filming, the Mustang was sold to a Warner Brothers employee and later to a New Jersey police detective. He, in turn, sold it for $6,000 to Robert Kiernan of Madison, New Jersey, who held onto the car until he died in 2014. And Sean found it, yeah. Yep, and then Sean rejected multiple offers of the car, including one from McQueen himself, and he left it to his son, Sean. Hmm. And so in 1977, McQueen wrote to Kiernan, I'd like to appeal to you to get back my 68 Mustang. I'd very much like to keep it in the family in its original condition as used in the film rather than have it restored, which is simply personal with me. McQueen ended up dying in 1980 at age 50, and Kiernan had never responded to the letter, which Sean Kiernan still has. He never responded? Never responded Why? to him. I don't know. But he told Meekum in a promotional video that his mother drove the car until the clutch failed in 1980. <laughs> <laughs> it went nearly 40 years without being driven until recently, and it's got 65,000 miles on the odometer. Wow. You know, and it's his right. They, they own the vehicle. It's his right to sell it to who he wants to for what price he wants to. But wouldn't it be the right thing to do to call up the McQueens before this auction and say, hey— do you do you want to want this car? I'll give you the first shot at it. Give me three million bucks. It's yours. If not, we'll go to auction. They have no idea, right? Well, it could be. You could get someone to guesstimate. I guess. Why but, you do an auction? Uh, you never know when that crazy person <laughs> who really, really wants that Mustang. Oh, three and a half million dollars. Some Mustang collector. That's the it's rare thing. He bought it for six. His dad bought it for six grand, oh. and now he's three and a half million, three point four to be exact, million dollars. But the richer. taxes on that. Okay, <laughs> poor babies. Yeah, it is. It is ridiculous. They have to pay that much taxes, but they still have one and a half million dollars, one point nine million dollars to to enjoy. Guess uh, what's coming back? What's coming back? And you're going to see it in the Super Bowl. 
Oh, no. And an ad featuring NBA star LeBron James. The Kia. No. Oh, he's not doing General Kia? Motors will revive the Hummer name to sell <sighs> a new family of electric pickups and SUVs and will tout the return with a Super Bowl ad featuring NBA star LeBron James. They'll LeBron sold, James. They will be sold under the GMC nameplate. Wow. They're planning on building a new family of premium electric pickups at the Detroit plant beginning in late 2021. And they're revving up. They're considering revving up the Hummer name. Why? Hummer by GMC. No, it's look. It's a bad decision. It is. Pe- that those things were all the rage for a minute, and now you can't get rid of them. And, and, and you say it's going to be all electric, mm-hmm. so they're at least going in that direction. But would you buy one of these? I don't buy trucks, but yeah, an all electric one. Depends if it works. I mean, who knows? Do you I mean, think LeBron will own one of these? I think he'll get one. <laughs> well, he will pay dollars for it? No. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I'm not interested. Thank you, though. Don't soup it up. Yeah. Put some spinners on that puppy, and let's make a real Hummer. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't. <laughs> they were never cool to me, ever. Not even for a second. It looked like an assault vehicle like rolling the down the road. Were it was the originals that were the cool ones. Okay. They were like the real military ones. Yeah. Like the ones that Arnold Schwarzenegger would drive around while trying to pitch climate issues in California. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Getting 10 miles a gallon, just rolling around <laughs> in his, his H1. Diesel. Yeah. 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 Well, man, I don't know. So that, But LeBron, uh, he was longtime Kia guy, so I guess that contract is up, huh? Uh, do you know what we saw on the lot the other day? And I never got a chance to figure out whose car it was because it was just parked in our front parking lot. Because we see Pontiacs occasionally. And it was a G8 GXP. Really? It was parked in our parking lot the other day. And that. In good condition? I, don't, I didn't get a chance to drive it. I was hoping they were going to trade it in. Yeah. But that is a really cool car. Wow. If you are out there and you are the owner of that car, call us up. 855 340 Zone. Uh, you guys were originally Pontiac yeah, and they, dealers, they, that right? That GXP came out right before they went. They got rid of Pontiac. But that GXP was an incredible vehicle. I don't know if you knew that. It was that GXP Pontiac had the 6.2-liter, 402-horsepower V8 from the Corvette. It I had, didn't know it that. It had a VET motor in it. And you know what? To look at, what year is it? What year are you talking about? Oh, eight. To look at, it's not... It's not, great it's not a hot-looking thing, but but it did zero to sixty in four and a half seconds. That's insane. Quarter mile of thirteen. Why didn't they advertise that more? They did. Oh, they, the total sales were eighteen hundred units. Hmm. It was limited production. I almost bought one myself. Did you? I almost parked one. The crazy thing is, then you get in the inside of the thing and, and it looks like a Pontiac. It, you're, in, you're, <laughs> you're in your grandmother's car. It's a great car. car. Then you look yeah. at the interior of it; it's still got the. Goofy AC Delco <laughs> radio hey, buttons. And I love. I miss my Pontiac AC Delco radio. But right. I mean, that's the problem with it. So they ended up uh, the next year they canceled the brand and Holden, which is the Australian company. They they ended up producing it for a year, I think. After that, the hmm. same car, and then it went away. Uh, Mazda has one of the strangest and most controversial approaches to electric cars, but. We just learned something about it. The automaker made its first electric car artificially slower, quote, to feel more like a gas car, close quote. They made it slower? So that people would feel like it's more what they're used to. Which, you know, Subaru's done something similar with my CVT transmission. It, they put their artificial sound in when the gears are changing mm-hmm. so that I don't think my car is broken. It's not shifting. Yeah. yeah. So it makes it feel like you're shifting. It makes you feel like you're shifting. Yeah. It sounds like you're shifting. And when they told, when I went on the test drive with Tony, I was like, actually, I, I wish they hadn't. Have. But he said that they didn't originally, and then people would come people in and say, my like, car's broken. It won't shift. And so they had to it's put that shifting. in. You're going 65 now. It's shifted. <laughs> you're, you're fine. <laughs> don't worry, buddy. <laughs> you're good. How'd you get here? Yeah. Yeah, it's shifted. So it did its job. <laughs> M- Mazda thinks that this will help sell. Well, it's like the other thing, like the, the car. Microsoft Highway it makes no- the, they, they, it pitches noise out of the front engine, so you can hear it when it's in the electric mode. Like a little whine sound, yeah. or yeah, you know, it's a little whine sound, so people, so pedestrians can hear that you're coming. <laughs> That's you know, so it's like. 
<laughs> sounds, sounds like one of those. I want to uh, sound like Indy. Like it's Indy 500. <laughs> <laughs> People are diving out of the way as you drive down the road. Then. Yeah. The MX-30, their first ever electric vehicle. They are, they are saying that uh, Mazda wrongly says the long-range EVs are worse for CO2 than diesel cars. Uh, but they are now going to make that right, and they're going to artificially slow the car down so that people will be more comfortable with it, feeling more like a gas car. I don't, I don't, I think you embrace it. I think you embrace it and go all in on it, don't you? Totally. I don't it's think just, you need to be gimmicky with it. That's a training it. issue. That's a dealership training issue, mm. right? You train those guys, this is how it's supposed to act. It's not weird. But that goes to the ideas we don't. Most auto retailers don't properly deliver cars to customers. Meaning what? Meaning how? I think I think manufacturers are getting better at it, putting programs in place. Like Subaru, we have the Love Encore program. We have our concierges that do all of our vehicle deliveries now. But the manufacturers that have fallen behind on that, people are getting delivered in cars and not knowing how the car properly works. Mm. And so I think a lot of more manufacturers are going to dedicated delivery specialists where they want a dedicated human being whose job is to deliver vehicles, not sell them, not doing like that, but to teach people how to use the car they just bought. Yeah. And we've seen a ton of success. We've been doing it for the last six or seven years. I think it's one of the best parts about what you guys do. Yeah. I mean, they're literally our concierge's job. Their main job in the world is just to deliver vehicles. It's uh, it's similar to what, like, when I, whenever I am slow to upgrade my cell phone, first of all, because I'm, I'm pretty cheap, but secondly, I've I've finally figured out how to how everything works on it, and then they come out with a new version, and my battery is, and I need a new phone. But then I I'm like I don't want to have to relearn a new system and where all the buttons are. But you're missing out on joy. You're missing out on the full use of it, and it's similar with you buying a, a, a this brand new spanking new car with all these cool bells and whistles. But if you just go from park to drive to reverse to engine off. You're not taking advantage of it. No. But people get that car and they look at it and go, oh, I don't know how all this works. So you guys, you have your concierge walk through it with you. Mm-hmm. They're, they're accessible. They, they will come to your house and program the garage door opener so that you're, you don't have to touch it. All you do is you push that button and it works. I love it. I think it's brilliant that you guys do that. But you think that uh, you see more and more people doing this now, the concierge type idea? Yeah, I think I'm more and more people are. If it's not the retailer doing it, it's the manufacturer putting programs in for it. But gotcha. they're seeing the need that a salesperson who most places our guys aren't on commission, but they still get paid on how many cars they sell. So the idea of it is that you don't want a guy who's looking for his next car sale to be having to spend an hour a because pro- a proper delivery for one of these cars is probably it takes time. I mean, 45 minutes to an hour is probably a proper delivery time for one of these vehicles. Yeah, right. If you're a little slower, maybe a couple hours. You're right. Really fast. There's a lot. Car. Yeah. I mean, we even try and tell people they're like, "Well, I've had I've, I've had 10 Outbacks. I know how it all works." Like, no. It's new. It's new. Yeah. There's a lot of new features, and we want you to enjoy this car as much as possible. If you don't have time now, let's schedule an appointment. We'll come to you, and we'll do it then. Right. You need to take the half hour to an hour and learn how this car works. Yeah. Because it makes you like your car more. Which is how, you know, when we uh, signed up for our lease from you guys, we did it later in the day, and it was time. We had to go to a show. Uh, my brother was in a play that night, and your your team was willing to stay late mm-hmm. and help us learn the car, but we just didn't have the time that night. Yeah. They came to our house. And, sat, and it wasn't just because I do the show with Mark Miller Subaru. They do that for everybody. Yeah, we do it for anybody. It's incredible. Uh, all right, there's an article on cars.com right now, Jeff, that talks about the steps that you need to follow if you are interested in buying a car outside of the state you live in. Okay. How do you, what's the first thing you do if, you, if you're shopping online or whatever, you find a car, the, it's the right price, the right car you want, but it's out of state. What's the next step? So, yeah, used car or new car? Uh, this is talking about used cars. So used car, that makes it tough. You, you want to try and find out as much about the vehicle's history as you possibly can. It would be the first thing I would do before you invest any more time. So run a pay it pay for an account, get an auto check, get a car fax, whatever you whatever system you want to use. But try at least get a record to know you're not buying a salvage title vehicle or a car has been in a bunch of accidents. Are there Especially, programs to to employ that kind of thing out there, or would you have to just rely on the a seller? Lot the, a lot of the sellers will provide a free Carfax report. If they don't, you can just go to Carfax and put any VIN number in. Mm. You probably have to pay thirty bucks a report. 
but if you're looking at it, it might be worth it. Which Carfax does not tell you everything. Nope, it's not going to catch everything. Only reported incidences. It's going to catch whatever gets reported. And same with AutoCheck. So that would be the first thing I would do. Um, There are some outside services that will go check out a car for you, but that costs some pretty good money, and Mm -hmm. you've got to be, it'd have to be a pretty nice car for me to want to do that. Right. And you have to be looking at a $40,000, $50,000 car for it to really make worthwhile. Mm -hmm. But if you really think you found that car that's out of state, um, just make sure everything's in line before you fly out. Get with our finance manager, have the conversation, have everything you're going to talk about in the finance office done over the phone or via Skype. And I would have it, I wouldn't sign for anything until you get there, but have it all ready to go. How does the, the taxes and that sort of thing work? So, sales tax, you're going to pay sales tax where you register the vehicle. Okay. So, if you show you're an out state buyer, they shouldn't charge you sales tax where you're buying the vehicle. Where you're buying it, depending. A lot of times you can get, so like if we sell a car to a Nevada customer or a California customer, we can collect sales tax at the time of the purchase, and then we mail the all the titling paperwork and the sales tax to the DMV of their state, and okay. then you have to go to the DMV once they get the paperwork and go register the car. It's kind of a pain in the butt. Yeah, that doesn't That's sound why you pay us a dealer doc fee for local stuff is because we go th- we go to the DMV for you. And you deal with all that and here. We, yeah, we deal with mm. all that crap. Which the DMV, by the way, has gotten a lot It's insanely better. better. Okay, yeah. so I made an argument. I don't know if we talked about this the other day. I don't think so we did. I, made my, I had to get a new driver's license because I moved. Yeah. And I wanted to get my, it was old, and I wanted to get one with the gold star, so I got that out, get that out of the way. Because yeah. you have to have a gold star now, and you come a year from now, if you don't have a new license with a gold star in it, you won't be able to travel. Travel? You won't be able to get through to an airport security. Why? Because you have to have a gold star in your license. They're supposed to be shipping out new licenses to everybody in the state. What? Why Why a gold star? What does that it, tell it's them? It's the U.S. law saying you have to have a gold star certified license. Remember they put gold stars on people back in Germany. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Let's, Continue. Let's get away from that. It's, yeah. So, but anyway. So, what are we doing? So I went and got my license. It was an amazing experience I've ever had at the DMV. Like I booked, yeah. booked an appointment online, filled out all my paperwork online, came in. Ready to go, took my picture, walked over, waited for about 45 seconds, called me up to the booth, paid my money, did an eye test, walked out the door. Yeah, it's amazing. That easy. So, uh, Ten they, years ago it yeah. wasn't that easy. And they printed, me a, they printed me a temporary ID card, everything like that, said, okay, we'll, we'll mail you your license when it's ready. That was, October, that was November 4th. That's amazing. And you've got your license now? I still don't have my license. You still don't have it? I still don't have a temporary license. They have what? not mailed me my ID yet. What's going so on So I there? called the DMV out about the... 18th of December, just like, what's going on? Like, like, it's been like six weeks, seven weeks. Like, I don't have my license. Like, well, it can take up to six months. <laughs> six months? <laughs> so you look at your temporary expiration on it. It is May 5th. Wow. So I have this. So I have had it. I've gone and it's on, just a piece of paper. I've gone on three or four business trips since then. So I have to take this crap through the airport. <laughs> I've been taking, it looks I've been, like you printed it off at home. Right? I've been taking my passport. Yeah, that works better. So it works yeah. so much better. Or using clear. But, yeah. That's I, amazing. I go to my mailbox every day. Hoping, <laughs> like a little kid. Like, like a kid Charlie at, Brown. Like Charlie Brown on Christmas. Hoping for my present. And it just doesn't show up. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll, I'll, I'll fill you in on how many months it takes to get your driver's license from the DMV. We're going to have Jeff's license watch here on Utah It has Car been over Sense. two months. That's crazy. I went on November 5th. I, I'm blown away that it is still just a piece of paper. They don't have... They temporary put out a little piece of paper for you. It's your temporary. It's not even ID. card stock. They give you your old ID back, but they punch it. It's got a hole in it. And it's not a hole, so no, it'll take it. That's unbelievable. I didn't know this thing about the gold star. This is blowing my mind. Yeah, it's. Uh, here, let me see if I can find it. Why has nobody told me this? Do you read the newspaper? Or mm. News. Or What's I? I you I, are in the media. The last time I saw an actual physical newspaper. Well, I guess my dad I my still my, my dad, dad still my gets dad it. gets it at his house. It's yeah, hilarious. Yeah. I'm like, what's this? <laughs> Getting ink on my fingers. Je- uh, Jake Scott still gets it too, but that's because he's 93 years old. And he's the oldest 40 year old the the Earth has ever yeah, the seen. The Federal Real ID Act of 2005 requires a gold star to be placed on the Utah driver's license and identification cards. Oh, it's just Utah. No, it's everywhere in the country. Oh, but Utah just is, it took five years for Utah to finally get. Yeah, it's just a little gold star. That's Is it a funny. sticker? No, it's just part of the license. It just has to have a gold star. I don't understand why. What does that possibly it signifies change? signifies something that it's an official, a real government nationwide license. 
That's real ID compliant. It just means it's compliant with all whatever security measures that are national security measures. Uh-huh. So I'm sure there's certain things that when they put it under the green light, it shows up on an ID. Oh, I see. And they want it to be federally consistent. Gotcha. So that makes sense. Uh-huh. But I think there's a place on. So for those of you guys wondering. I'm going to need to go do this. There's a check the status app. If you have your. Maybe this will tell me where my license is. That's my driver's license number. So there's a. <laughs> One, three, so six, two. Go to the driver's license division. There is a place where you can check the status if they've mailed out your new license yet. Oh, really? Yeah. So uh, what are what is your confidence level as you type that in that yours is going to say it's on its way? Because I'm thinking zero to a thousand, you're probably at a three seventeen. What's my issue date? Yeah, issue date eleven five two thousand nineteen. That's when I went there. How crazy is that? And it probably expires May five two thousand twenty. You get six months from there, right? The so card November was sent December. for production on Thursday, January second. Hey. It was mailed on Tuesday, January seventh. Please allow sixty days for it to get to the mail. Sixty Pony Express. <laughs> 60? Maybe is I, it coming so it from mailed on tu- overseas? So it was mailed on Tuesday. I might have it in my mailbox at home. This is exciting. 60 days? I might have my license. I've been waiting for so long. They're outsourcing the license making to China, huh? It, 60 days. So it took 60 days for that car to get sent to production. <laughs> and now they're saying wait 60 more days for it to arrive yeah. via the post office. Wow. Well, I'm very excited for you, Jeff. I'm very excited. I'm very not excited that now I have to go get. because no, you, you shouldn't have to. So if, well, well, I also it. recently moved. Yeah, you're so, going to have to go do that. And when I got pulled over, He's like, he is this your current me, address? And I did, said, you, did you send your current address in the DMV like you're supposed to? I did. Oh. But when he came back to my car, he said it didn't show that you sent in the, the new address. But I swear, it's on my you registration. Should, he should have taken you straight to jail. Probably. Probably so. Yeah, that mustache probably probably made him <sighs> made him feel good about you being like you a know, police officer or something. <laughs> I do look like I'm trying like, out for chips. You look like Favre. <laughs> wow, Brett Favre? No, on uh, Super Troopers. Oh, f- oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Someone on Twitter said that. You as can well. pull off the Favre look. You yeah. definitely could do that. Yeah. <laughs> look, I had five people yesterday ask me if I lost a bet. That's the first thing they said. They looked at me and went. What'd you do? Lose a bet? No, it doesn't look that bad, does it? That's a good sign. Come on, I'm in a play. It's not. I don't want. I, I, Are you playing a police officer? No, I'm playing Nathan Detroit in Guys and Dolls. There you go. 1930s. I gotta be proper. I don't have hair on my head, so I had to do something else to be. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> not happy about it, and it's gonna be this way till March. So deal with it. All right. I'll, I'll deal with it. 855-340-ZONE. 855-340-ZONE if you want to be part of the show. All right. Uh, the latest chapter in the Inland Port you, Authority saga. You know Nathan Detroit in the movie Guys and Dolls was played by Frank Sinatra. I do know that, yeah. It's a lot of pressure. And he did not have facial hair in the no. movie. That's a, lot of, that's a lot of pressure you're under. Except in the movie they have Nathan Detroit sing a lot because he's played by, you know, Frank Sinatra. Yeah. In the musical, Nathan Detroit does not sing a lot. Okay. He sings a song or two, and that's that's that. In fact, as we were rehearsing recently, the musical director stopped me and said, the good news here is your character is not expected to sing really well. <laughs> so, which made me sad because I thought I got the part because I was a good singer, but apparently I got the part because I grew a funny-looking mustache. So, Are you going to come see me perform? Yeah, I'll come see it for that sure. That sounded fake. What is it? That didn't Where sound is it? real Where do we got to go? You know let, what? Let me, let me check my schedule. We're, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're here. We're talking February? <laughs> it is in February. Wow, I'm out of town a lot in February. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out of town the whole month of February. That's crazy. Uh, Hope, crazy how that works out. <laughs> in fact, uh, I'm, you'll, you'll be okay with this. It's at Hope Box Theater. Hope Box Theater, R-E, is the, how you spell theater. Hopeboxtheater.com. It's up in Kaysville. The mission and goal of Hope Box, it's, uh, it's operated by a woman and her family. She is a four-time cancer survivor, and she uh, decided that she was going to do something to generate good back for cancer fighters and survivors. And so she started this theater. We performed these shows. Look at that. You're even on the... 
You're even on the cast. You're in the Valentine cast. I'm in the Valentine like cast. He's official. He's on the website. And for the he's not just making this up here. This for is the, actually real. For the <laughs> for the run of the show, a major portion of the sales goes to one cancer fighter. Oh, that's cool. And Margot Flint is our uh, our our hope box recipient. She's fighting uh, uh, breast cancer, triple negative, inflammatory, and uh, so at the end of the run in February, we'll give her a check for all this. And so it's really for a great cause and you get to see some really fun actors and actresses, hopeboxtheater.com. Uh, go get your tickets now. Whether you come see me or not, it's doing a lot of good for Margo. That's so please really cool. check it out. If you're into theater, it is for you. Uh, but yeah, that's why I've got this ridiculous thing growing under my nose and above my mouth. My daughter doesn't care. Don't say way. you can buy tickets yet. Oh yeah, you can. You have to buy season tickets. No, 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 oh, you no. You have to accept the ticket policy before you can buy tickets. Which it's just saying you're going to understand that there's two different casts and the make Valentine sure that you cast can't. on Valentine's Day. That's key. Am I performing Valentine's Day? Yeah. I am. Yeah. Whoops. I got to make some changes. I thought I was not performing Valentine's Day. February. They thought I was on the fifteenth. Whoever did the website ticket site misspelled February. Hey. And they misspelled it twice. Well, Jeff, that's... At that point, I just don't think they know how to spell February. Probably not. February. How do you pronounce February? February. Did you know that you're supposed to only pronounce it February? You're supposed to get rid of the R? Yes. I was watching... February. This. I don't know why I was watching this. Maybe that's why she didn't have the R, because it's February. But Right. It's February. Because I was watching an English teacher, someone that teaches English as a second language, and they said... That you have, it's actually pronounced February, and I have always pronounced it February. Sounds a little like Barbara Walters. February. See, you say you, but I've always said Ru. February. February. Subaru. Subaru, not Subaru. <laughs> Subaru. 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 <laughs> uh, and how do you say the hump day? Day. It starts with a W. Wednesday. Wednesday? I say it Wednesday. No, I don't. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just joking around. I was say, that's just weird. <laughs> I am performing on Valentine's I'm gonna, Day. I'm going to need a new host. <laughs> <laughs> I can't work like this. I can't right. work with this madness. <laughs> we'll take our final break. <laughs> Come back on the other side. Talk about the Inland Port Authority saga. It, it is coming to a head uh, quickly. We also talk a little more Subaru news next on Utah Car Sense. On the car ride to the scout camp that was almost seven hours away, and instead the guy driving the car went through the entire discography of Rush at top volume to stay awake. And I found out who Neil Peart was and decided that was going to be me. There's a big event this weekend at the at the Vivint. What is it? Sesame Street. Oh, I totally forgot about that. You didn't bring your kids to Sesame Street? I totally forgot. We were, we were planning on it. Is that today? It's today and tomorrow. I bet you can still get tickets. I can't, but I've got plans. i got stuff to do. Well, it's today and tomorrow. Well, she'll never know. I hope she doesn't listen to you on the air. She does, but she doesn't understand. She's so speaking English. <laughs> she's sixteen months old. She knows a few words. Did Austin's you see the text? Oh, I thought you were talking about your wife. No, no, <laughs> like, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> that's just that's just mean, Austin. <laughs> I, I meant that my, my wife isn't the one that's going to be heartbroken. Last weekend it was Monster Jam here. Yeah, I know. I'm aware. Yeah. It it was good for the lungs. Now you got Sesame I Street love here. Monster Jam. You do not. Yeah, I went to like three Monster Jams here in my youth. Wow. I love I loved Monster Trucks growing up. What I'm other, sure it's a fun show. It's a ton of fun. You got it Saturday. There's a two o'clock show, a five thirty show, and a ten thirty, and a two o'clock tomorrow. There's four shows in the next two days here. Wow. Good luck to the ushers and security people here. That mm-hmm. is going to be. Then there's nothing here for six days. Just empty arena. It's rare. There's probably like some private things private going stuff, on, but yeah. not big time. That, in fact, that's they don't like to have an empty night mm-hmm. on the calendar at this place, which is, I think, great. I think you, you, that's why this building is here. It's why they renovated it, to fill it and use it. And every night that it's being used is fun here at Vivint Smart Home Arena. But, yeah, we were hoping to take our daughter to that, and I totally, totally spaced it. So, Did you see the text message my daughter sent me yesterday? Uh-uh. I, I tweeted that out. It was just, it was two pages of just letters. 
and, and mumblings. And then at the very end, uh, in fact, it went shower, chair, shower, chair, key, key, chair, shower, key, key, shower, 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 sponge emojis. <laughs> and I was trying to figure out what she was trying to tell me. My daughter, my daughter FaceTimes me. Does I she? got FaceTimed during the show twice by her. Today? <laughs> she's got an, she has an iPad that she can play games on, but she, it's connected to the should Wi-Fi. should have answered. It's connected to the Wi-Fi, so she'll get a FaceTime from Natalie. We should have had her She's usually some dumb question about, like, Dad, do you know where I left this? <laughs> I'm kind of busy right now, huh? But um, you checked your room? <laughs> your loo? Your room? Oh, your room. That changes that sentence, yeah. That changes a little. Have you checked your loo? <laughs> you checked the loo? <laughs> uh, in a blow to the city of Salt Lake City, a judge has ruled in favor of the state of Utah in the court case over the constitutionality of the Utah Inland Port Authority. In a ruling issued Wednesday, 3rd District Court Judge James Blanche rejected the city's lawsuit, which was challenging the state-created Utah Inland Port Authority, ruling the body does not violate the Utah Constitution's Ripper Clause regarding local powers. Of course, uh, this has been months and years in the making. And the problem that most people have with this is there seems to be a too convenient slide of people that are making these decisions and how their businesses are going to benefit from those decisions and then the impact on the on the environment. Those are the two big problems that people have with this thing. Uh, I'm on board with the I'm on board with the uh, concerns with both of them. Yeah, they both have valid concerns on it for sure. I do, though, also believe, Jeff, that with our exploding population, we are going to need a second way of getting around this valley. Like six years ago, we needed it. And now we're the fastest growing state in the union. So what are your options? Where do you put it? Well, we've got Legacy Highway that is just a waste right now. Mm -hmm. So they upped that speed limit uh, as of January 1st. But it's still just a two-lane. You need to expand that thing to be the same size as I-15. And it sucks for me to say that because where is it located? Out in the refuges refuges for the, the wildlife out there. But I am of the belief, uh, this is how I, I want to do what I possibly can to not impact the environment until, it do, until I have to. And man and you, rules. And then when you do it, you make it as a minimum impact as yes. you possibly can. Yes, yes. It gets hard. I mean, there's a lot of places... I choose human over I mean, think about wildlife besides, at just that Salt Lake point. County, too. I mean, east side traffic in Salt Lake County is getting crazy. So, like, go right. on, like Wasatch Boulevard out south, or if you go right. to Foothill. Foothill, forget about it. Foothill's a nightmare. Don't and, go Foothill. And three or four years ago, they were trying to put studies out there on what they could do to expand Foothill, and then just went away. It's like, oh. They just didn't do it. It's like, well, we got all these studies. Here are all of our options. Eh, let's just not do it. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, they were like meetings. I'll and, do like, it tomorrow. Things. Yeah, like all of a sudden you just didn't hear anything about it. It's like, what happened about the whole – remember when we were going to make Foothill wider? Like they had creative ideas of making like the middle lane of Foothill uh, a one-way. Okay. So during morning you'd make it Great. one and afternoon you'd make it go the other way. They ri- they zipper the median or, or whatever. Like and, that. Or uh-huh. They figure out a way to move the median or you figure out lights above that change the thing or I don't know what how you do it, but just they've got to do something cuz I mean I I drive from Holiday to I should be using Foothill every morning and I don't. I take, no, you I couldn't. Up, I yeah. end up taking Highland all the way in or Highland to 13th to get in that Which area. is probably not but it's better than going up to Foothill. Yeah, it's still congested there. Yeah, oh, it's still a zoo. Yeah. It's still a zoo. Yeah. It takes me 20 minutes to get from holiday to ninth to ninth area. But that, and that's that's a little more complicated up there because now we're talking about removal of housing mm-hmm. and, and neighborhood and alterings, and, and... which is what they're doing with uh, Highway 89 up in Davis County coming up here over the next five years. Imminent domain. Imminent domain. Imminent domain. If it's for a public good, they have the right to take your property. They have to pay you for it. They have to pay you market value. Yeah. And they have to pay you any cost to make the rest of your property back to thing. But, I mean, they're looking at expanding Highland Drive out in Holiday, where it gets a little tight there by the mm-hmm. Greek Church. Yeah, they're going to take out They want to add sidewalks on both sides all the way for pedestrian safety. And there's a few houses where uh, my uh, sister's father-in-law is one of them. Where they've got I'm sure take, they've been there for decades. Yeah, two or three. It's like three, four feet into his property line to knock his fence down. Put a sidewalk in, and then they'll put his fence back up, and they'll pay him for all the stuff. But still, he's like, I don't want my house to change. Or he could sell the house. Or he could sell. That's but, his options. Eventually, because they're not offering him the, to buy the house, 
They're just offering that part of his land. Yeah, they just want to, and they'll give you, and they pay they pay good value. Sure, it's not like it's not like they're pay, undervaluing what they pay. They pay you what it's worth. And we did it in Sandy, our Southtown store, when they expanded State Street out to six lanes mm-hmm. last year. They had for one of the corners of the thing, they had to cut in the corner, and to change one of the corners into the auto mall, and they had to buy, I think it was like forty five square feet of our property. <laughs> what did that run them? They paid us a lot. Did they really? For forty five square feet. They had to pay for our construction companies to come out and relay concrete and reset up our things and make, make sure it that, nice. Yeah, and, yeah safe. Yeah. And we, we they basically we made to an agreement. They we got to a number. We gave them our bids on how much it's going to cost. They, they didn't even fight us. They just accepted it and we got a check. Mm. But it was in the tens of thousands of dollars. Right. Uh, so it, it's but the problem, especially up in like the the Fruit Heights area and in Kaysville area, is some of these people. Their house, their the the road will go to their back door, yeah, and so they have to buy the entire property. Yeah, so they're tearing down houses, and these people don't want don't want that. They've they've made these their forever homes, and now they've got to find new and places doing to the live. Same thing with I fifteen, because they did that. There's that I fifteen expansion, seventy second south to one hundred twentieth south. Mm-hmm. They're widening I fifteen. And they're going. There's businesses all on those lines on both sides that are all getting eminent domain claims. They're going to be demolished. That's why it takes them three years to plan the whole thing because they have to do three years worth of lawyer stuff of getting all these agreements. Uh, what a headache! Oh, I do not envy that job. And it's why you should probably not buy a house close to a main thoroughfare if you possibly you can, can avoid it. You just it. need to understand the idea that this it's a possibility it could happen. that this could happen to you at some point. Yeah. If you're buying that and you're on a, right on a main road, there's a probability that at some point they have to widen that road. They're going to take some of your property. Right. Look at you know, the crazy one is 7th East. So if Where you, specifically? So if you look at 7th East and you look at the houses, just drive down main downtown Salt Lake. Notice how close sidewalks are on 7th East to the, to front, the, house. Door, to the front doors of the house. Hmm. Those all, houses all had huge front yards at one point in the world. 50, true. 67 oh, years that's, ago. That's true, yeah. And it was a two-lane road on each side. Now it's three, four lanes each side, and they just literally just pushed into those people's houses. They don't have a front yard. They walk out the their front, front door, they've got six the feet to the road. And yeah. that's why. Because yeah. they've all got an eminent domain to make 7th East wider. Hmm. It's the same thing they'll have to do to Foothill, and they, they can't do it on 13th because it's already that tight. Yeah. So it just gets really interesting how the UDOT has to fight that. That's why UDOT's such a big budget. Sure, yeah. And eventually, it, like I said, it comes down to, and I guess that term "imminent domain" uh, explains it. But it comes down to what else could we possibly do? So I do think it's needed this inland port authority. I think it, in in theory, I think it's needed. It's it's necessary. It's good. I don't like the backdoor dealings that are involved, and I don't like that they seem to not be considering what's the least impactful way on the environment. Totally. It seems like they're just paving over uh, uh, paradise to build a parking lot, you know, Yeah, like the old song said. Anyway, uh, Mayor Air Mendehall, though, said it's not over. Uh, she was sworn in last Monday, told reporters outside her office that the decision was a great disappointment, but the city plans to appeal and take the case to the Utah Supreme Court. Governor Gary Herbert's office staff issued a statement Wednesday applauding the judge's ruling. Uh, while also guess welcoming, what, guess what point of that whole Supreme Court? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're, yes. they're, they're in trouble. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. It's that in the point so, that they're not going to win that case. It, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Which let's rewind to when Legacy Highway started. This same thing kind of went down with Rocky Anderson, right? Mm-hmm. And he fought and clawed and 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 stood on that one. And it just what it did is it yeah. delayed the inevitable, and we should have built the road. Back then, how we're now going to have to build it today, and that bothers me. So just, yeah. just do and hopefully, it. I'm mean, hopefully Aaron Mendehall and her new, her new crew going in there is able to make some changes to it in the benefit of Salt Lake City and and help the plan go along. Uh, throw a quick shout out out there to Mike Aguilar again, who's put his name in to replace Aaron Mendenhall in that District Two City Council seat. So good yeah. luck to him as well. Good luck to Mike, uh, a, a great person, incredible person, he's a re- hard worker. He's the president of the Utah Pride Center, he's done a lot. For I didn't city. know that. He's the president of he, it. He was. He's ex-president. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, he's done a lot of great work for the city, and he's a passionate, what, caring person. Wants to do more. So absolutely, he, I think he goes in for his interview next week. Oh, well, good luck. 
I hope it I hope it turns out how it should. Uh, also, uh, there's news out there about the Toyota GR Yaris being more exciting than the new Supra. I don't know if I if I'm buying into that. And how about the GM employees that were jailed for racing C8 Corvettes out on the street? Did you see this story? So the new the car of the year, the Chevrolet uh, Corvette, the 2020, the the C8 Corvette Stingray. Uh, according to Kentucky State Police, a trooper stopped Alexander Thim and Mark Durkatz on the evening of Wednesday the 8th on Lover's Lane in Bowling Green, Kentucky, for exceeding the posted 45-mile-per-hour speed limit by more than 26 miles per hour, reckless driving, and racing motor vehicles on a public road. Uh, it's not been, we've not been able to uh, verify just how much higher than 71 MPH the cars were traveling, when police nailed them and hauled the drivers away, uh, by the way, exceeding the speed limit by 26 in Kentucky is... You took them to jail? You go to jail. You go to jail? Yep. And your license is automatically suspended. No questions asked. Wow. 26 and over, that's it. Come this way. So... Not messing around in Kentucky. Uh, according to the employee's LinkedIn profiles, Thim is a computer-aided engineering, uh, and, and uh, Mercats is an electrical engineer for... GM. So they were they're just testing, testing these cars on, out on the streets. Things. But what and that's where I'm going to what I'm drawing hopefully your expertise, Jeff. What are the rules and laws here? You have to follow the rules and laws. But can you test do you have to if you're testing a car or a prototype, don't you have to have a controlled environment of some sort on private land yeah, to do oh, that? Totally. If you're testing a car Generally, they don't test cars on private land. Anyway, they generally they when they test cars, they test them under the speed limit and in their normal circumstances. They're not going out and test driving a car at 100 miles an hour. If they're driving a car, like trying to race a car and do that, they'll do it on a test track. Mm-hmm. They'll do it on a racetrack where it's supposed to happen. Yeah, they won't do that on public roads ever. So this was not. They were not. They weren't doing their job. Car. No, okay. they weren't right. doing their job. <laughs> Maybe they were doing their job because they're mules. Like they have the cars you see out there, the spy shots that are out there to test the cars True. in real world conditions, but. They're supposed to be in real world conditions following laws. <laughs> There's not special. They're not supposed to be going cases. 75 miles an hour in a 40. <laughs> like, there are guys that do test driving. That's, that's uh. a true thing, but they have to follow the laws. And you'll see them on manufacturer plates. And So, like, when you go out for these Subaru uh, introductions, drives, they're on they're ranges. Tracks. They're right? tracks. Yeah, okay. They're almost all at racetracks. They're not out there in the cities. Like we've done, we've done them out at Miller Motorsports Park. Okay, yeah. What, what the formerly known Miller Motorsports Park? What is it now? I don't. I, I've not followed up on whatever whoever bought that or owned it or no. Tooele County still have it. I don't know. I know the chairs we're sitting in right now were formerly at Miller Motorsports Park. It's called Utah Motorsports Campus. Okay. Uh. Well. Anyway. Uh. So, the the moral of the story: Do your job. But do your job according to the laws of the land. How about that? Make sure you're following uh, the rules that, uh, that you're supposed to follow. Uh, I ran into a problem recently with my other car, my CRV. I had to get new tires. And two of them were bad. The other two weren't ready to be replaced, but it was going to be close enough that I was going to need to replace them soon anyway. So I just I went ahead and replaced all four tires. But I held on to one of the other ones. So that I would have a full-sized spare tire. But my, my little peanut-sized brain did not remember that a spare tire is smaller than a regular tire and fits in a smaller space underneath the floorboards in the back of my car. Okay. Obviously. So you bought a full, so, so you bought a full tire thinking... Well, I, I saved one of my old ones that was still good. Thinking, oh, I'll have a full but size now you spare. Won't fit in the car. I didn't compute there's, that that space a back there. They don't put a full size right, spare in the car. Right. I thought. Well, I like didn't if think they it, could, if they could fit a full I size know. spare, they'd put a full size spare. You realize that, right? I do now because I was an idiot in the moment, and so now I've got this tire that I'm just that's just taking up the entire back area of my car, and I don't. And the other thing is, do you still have your spare tire? Right. I do still have my spare tire. So now you have two spare tires in your car. But one doesn't have a wheel on it. Which one doesn't have the wheel on the, it? The full size. It's just the tire? It's just the tire. So I will have to go get a wheel on it. 
Why? So you're just carrying a tire around the back of your car? So I need to get rid of it. Yeah, it's, it's no, of no like, use to me. Yeah, it does nothing. You can't change a tire on <laughs> the middle of the highway. Well, I thought maybe I'd go pay uh, someone to put a wheel on it, and then, but then, and then you're carrying around a tire in the truck. Like said, exactly. You did not because there's this not a space well. for it. Right. So where do I take it? What do I do with it? Do I don't want to throw it to the landfill. Get rid of it. Just bring it to us. You guys will. Yeah, we'll throw it away. Recycle it. Yeah, we'll put it in our back. I don't want to throw it away. I want to. Sell recycle it. it some no i don't oh, care we'll, sell it we'll recycle it okay so we have tire i don't want to go to i, I don't want to sit in a landfill just, bring, my it, just bring it to our guys and they'll take care of it how can i bring it just to the show next week or whatever no, and, I'm not taking and, a tire and just you? hand it to you <laughs> no <laughs> you've got room i am not taking your tire i have a actually i don't have room in my trunk it's got a battery in there for the plug-in come on do me this one favor you can come down watch me the roll the tire up the up the steps here at the arena and all all up in here to the station. All right, I'll make a trip. I'll get it done. Thank you. I appreciate that. You're welcome. Happy can anyone just... I'm happy to help. Is that something <laughs> anyone can just do? Just bring old tires to places? Or do you have to go to a certain... Is that just because I know Gen- you? Yeah, we generally wouldn't okay. take a tire. You're not we'll, calling we'll, on Salt Lake City to bring their tires we'll to you. We'll take used oil from people, though. Will you? Yeah. If someone wants to drop off used oil to us, I'd much rather have you give it to us than dump it down a drain somewhere. So if you want to bring True. us, if you want to bring us used oil, we'll put it in our oil thing. Because you recycle all all yeah. that oil constantly. Yeah, we used to at our old shop, our old midtown shop. We used to burn it. We used to burn it for heat. Really? We had a waste oil heater at our old loca- at our really old midtown location. How did that? It's just a furnace, set up. and it's just the our waste oil tank would pump up to the heater, <laughs> and it would burn the waste oil and heat our shop. That's how, how we used did, to heat our shop. Did it smell really oily? It smelled a little more oily yeah. than a regular heater would, because it's burning oil, dirty oil, but. You're at least putting it to use. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Uh, all right. That's why I, I didn't know. I, uh, my fear was because someone told me, just take it to the dump. I don't want it to sit in a dump. I want it to be. Someone else said, make a tire swing. I don't have a tree, and I'm not a mountain man. I don't know how to do these things. So I'm grateful I can just tire take it somewhere. Tire swing's not very hard. Well, it's a rope. But I don't have a tree. <laughs> I figure, like, even, like, I'm not a good builder. I'm really bad at it. I, I don't build anything. But I could probably muster up a way to tie a rope around a tire and tie it to Also, I, I don't think mountain men were particularly known for their building <laughs> their, skills. Uh, most, uh, uh, especially the like tire a, tree. Like a carpenter. Especially the tire swings. Carpenter. You're not Jesus. <laughs> well, that's for sure. That's for absolute uh, Especially sure. with that mustache. <sighs> <laughs> Stop it. Uh, Tesla is the decade's best performing auto stock because we're a planet full of sheep that just follow things blindly. It's the best, the highest, no, the best performing American. I said the same thing to my brother the other day, okay. and, and he almost punched me in the face. He's like, no. It's not Toyota. No, Toyota's worth like 10 times it. Okay, so it's the best American. Yeah. But he's not, uh, Elon is not, it's not an American company. It's an international company. So Tesla's market cap right now, what it's worth. So American company. So market cap of Tesla is $86 billion. Makes it the most valuable U.S. automaker ever. Oh, I see. The, markets, the market cap of Toyota is $228 billion. Uh, wow. It's three times as valuable as Tesla. Wow. That's not a, a bad uh, thing to be associated with, no. the old Toyota uh, and then, of course, uh, the auto industry changes to expect over the next decade. Uh, you're gonna, uh, there's gonna be turmoil in Europe, according. This is to uh, Automobile Magazine, by the way. Tur- turmoil in Europe over the next decade over the uh, GM sell of Opel and Vauxhall to PSA Peugeot Cintron, <laughs> the French automaker. Uh, there's gonna be the the a problem there. They say. The new EU, European Union, uh, CO2 standard. This is a big deal because they're uh, making the miles per gallon be a lot higher and they're reducing the gas-powered vehicles. There is is thought that in the next 10 years there will be no more gas-powered vehicles in Europe. It's possible. And I think it is, actually. I I really think it could get to that point. One thing you got to give the Europeans credit on, on curbing emissions is they tax the crap out of it yeah they do gas taxes in europe are insane so it and makes we complain it so I mean, we're here complaining about oh <laughs> we're gonna get another four percent in tax on our gas taxes are nothing compared to anywhere else in 
Because they're doing it to deter you from using the gas. Yeah, our gas prices are... Like, it's harder still, to get gas there. It's still relatively inexpensive to get gas in this country. Yeah. But the, the, the overall prediction, and this is where your expertise comes in again here, Jeff, is Automall Magazine is expecting uh, over the next eight years that the auto industry will be, and maybe this isn't that far of a reach, will be healthier than it's ever been and it will never look back. How many years? In the next eight years. Over the next eight years. That our car. So they, they, they call it peak auto. This is going to be the peak auto decade. Uh, the the new, new cars, trucks, and SUVs and the amenities they bring will never be, will have never and will never be better than the next eight years until the EV uh, cuts off. I don't want to pay for the rest of the article. I think what they're aiming for is. Until EVs take over, the next eight years is going to be a great set of years for the auto industry. I will make that argument with a caveat of it really depends what happens in November. <laughs> it really will. It will make a huge difference on which party is elected in this country in November. Because of cars, just policy, on trade. Car, on car standards. Yeah. I mean, the Trump administration has put a war against CAFE standards and California Air Resource Board. It's It's been a war against them. And and all that's going to happen if it gets reelected is that war will be emboldened. Hmm. And it will get harder and harder, and standards and emission standards and gasoline standards and all that stuff on nationwide level will not exist for the next four years. So stay tuned. That's we'll that's, figure that's, it out. that's my opinion on it. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, Sean and Harley, drum roll. Who is going to be the lucky number? We've got them in random order. Okay. One is one, one is two. Was it the one that was one, and the two is the one that was two, or have they been flipped? Pick uh, a number. I've got it in my head who I've picked as number two. One or two. Eric? A lot of pressure. Uh, <laughs> two. Two, you got Sean. So you flipped him. I did you flip him. sneaky, I sneaky man. I am a sneaky guy like that. Give him a week, Sean. Head into the Midtown store. They'll have your movie passes for you. <laughs> Jeff, have a good week, buddy. Good to see you. For Jeff Miller and Eric Jensen, I'm Austin Horton. We'll be back next week on Utah Car Sense.